back in. How many of y'all went, went ahead and went and got pumpkins because it's fall? You already been to the pumpkin patch and the apple picking and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. We got apple cider out there today. Did y'all see that? Yes, sir. Yeah, that's where the line is right now. But Hey, we're, we're starting a new series today, and contrary to popular belief, it's not based off of the 90s hit, More Than Words. It's a series based on prayer. Yeah, more than, more than words is all I have to do. It's like just me and a couple other people. All right, nobody, nobody cares. Um, so, sorry, the singing portion's already over, and they, I don't do that for a reason. But more than words, and we're talking about prayer in this series. Here's the thing. I hear, um, God, we need revival. God, we need your spirit. God, we, we need, we need, we need. I hear, I hear it. And I'm telling you, uh, when God's people pray, when God's people submit themselves in prayer, when God's people seek his face, he does something in us. When we, when we form our lives around prayer, something changes. So if you're new to our church or if it's your first time here or your first time in a while, this is a great series, especially for you. I want to welcome everybody watching online today. We're glad that you're here with us. And I want to first draw attention to our app we have. Some of y'all may know, not know this, but on our app, if you go to the, the app, there is a prayer guide. And if you pull the app up, I think we got a picture of this. I circled it with the big red marker. Yeah, that's, that's where the prayer guide is. As soon as you go to the app, we have a prayer guide that's updated every quarter, and if you, whether you are an expert in prayer or whether you need help developing your prayer life, this prayer guide guides you through daily prayers, and it also has daily scripture reading in it as well. So use that during the series. We're going to be, especially during the series, use it all the time, but I, this series and this prayer guide, these are things that are so foundational to our faith. And so if you're new to faith or you're re-engaging faith or you've got some questions about how to be a follower of Jesus and, and you're like, how do I actually spiritually connect with Jesus? Man, this, this is a, a sermon series for you over these next three weeks. I want to start with a visual. Out of my house a few weeks ago, I built a shed. And it's, it's, a, it's a sheet metal shed. There, there it is right there. Un, underneath, I built it for our trash cans, okay, because our trash cans were just sitting there. And we live out off of Canton Road, so you know what? There's some critters out off of Canton Road, and they're not just my kids. There are some critters that like to get in the trash cans. So I, 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 we put this shed, I put the shed together, and I don't know if you can tell underneath it, we put some pavers underneath it so it would stay, stay sturdy and stay like right there. But you know what? That's, those pavers aren't doing a very good job because I can't secure the shed into the pavers all that well. What I need is I need a concrete pad. That's what I need. I just need a, 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 a cause see I got concrete right in front of it. I just need that concrete extended back so we can bolt that shed into the concrete because when a strong wind comes through, the top of that shed actually lifts up because we have trash cans inside, and we put our trash in there. But when a strong wind comes through, the magnets don't hold that lid. And that sheet metal is not very heavy. And I know I could get sandbags, and I could do this a lot of different ways, but we, I wanted this thing to, like, it would not just keep the varmints and the critters out, but I wanted it to look better than just a couple trash cans beside my garage. I was like... Aesthetically, some of you appreciate this. Some of you are like, oh, he's getting too bougie for Albemarle. <laughs> but for those of you that appreciate the aesthetic look here, 
I, I, we wanted it to look better, you know? And so I have been watching YouTube lately because I'm, I've never poured a concrete slab before, and I'm going to do it. I've been researching. I've been looking at what kind of concrete I need. If I, do I need rebar or do I need something? I'm thinking like four inches deep, and I'm, 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 I'm watching all of these things. And one of the most important things, is some of you have poured concrete before, like you know, and you're like kind of laughing inside, like, oh, this sucker, it'll be the last time he pours concrete. It's okay. I, I really enjoy like, like trying like, projects. I, I thoroughly enjoy it. Some people... Like, they, they enjoy, I don't know, um, hiking and mountain biking. I enjoy, like, putting a project together and standing back and, like, it not falling apart and it working. And so I've been looking at this, and one of the, one of the biggest things that I've found in trying to, like, just study and learn, and, and, and I'm a big nerd, so I'm going to do all this research before I get into it. You have to have a form built for whatever you're wanting the concrete to look like. And so you, ha- you have to have, whether it's two-by-fours or, or, or something, I, like I want that, that concrete pad to be a certain length and a certain width. And so I have, to, I have to build this form before we mix the concrete and we put it. By the end of this series, I'm, I'm hoping to show you an after photo, okay, of what I did. And you're all going to be amazed and you're going to clap, and you're going to shout and cheer, and you're going to hoist me up on your shoulders. It's like you're going to be so impressed at the concrete pad because we have to have something that it will fit in. And why am I telling this story? I'm telling this, I'm telling this because all of us pour our lives into something. Your life is like a bunch of wet concrete. And whatever you pour your life into is exactly what it forms into. And you can build that form out of two-by-fours and have it a rectangle pad for the trash cans to sit on. But take the metaphor a little bit further than just the literal. When you think about what you're pouring your life into, What is the form that is coming out on the other side? And the form is so, so necessary because what happens if you don't have a form? Well, the concrete will just kind of merge out and settle and it'll just be this kind of blob. You don't want your life to be a blob. You don't want your life to just be poured out and to just exist. No, you were created by God for a purpose. Well, Nate, I don't, I don't really know. I mean, that, how, do, how, do I re, how do I look back and see what I've poured my life into and what it's forming into? Well, check your calendar, check your checkbook, look at what you do for a living, look at school, look at what you do for fun. Just because you enjoy football doesn't mean that you're pouring your life into a football form. But we all have things that we enjoy. We all have things that we're called to do. We all have families that we serve. But at the end of this life, what do you think that form is going to look like? That's my key question throughout this entire series of sermons about prayer. What's forming you? Think about it for a minute. What is forming you? 
I think it's safe to say that whatever we are spending most of our time in is kind of how we're influenced in our thinking, and our living, and our doing. And if you're pouring hours, now, like this thing, this smartphone that you have, if you go to the settings, it'll tell you how much time you're spending on what apps. Depending on which device it is, Android or Apple or I don't know any other cell phone brand, but but you can check it and you can see it. And and you know what? If you if you check that, you might be surprised at how much time you spend on that screen, on that device. But it'll tell you what apps you're spending the most time in. And if you're spending four or five hours a day on social. Guess, guess what? The form of your life is being formed and you are being poured into that form. If you're spending it on cable news sites or on you know all these different things, if you're spending it on YouTube or TikTok or whatever, what, like, like that's a key. Some of you are pulling out your phones right now and you're like, screen time. <laughs> yeah, it's a little haunting. But look at how you spend your time and your money. Look at the things that you stress about, out about. Look at the things that grab your focus. Scripture shows us throughout all of Scripture, it shows us how prayer formed the people of God. If you look at the prayer of Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, you see a prayer asking God for pain and suffering to pass by him. He is crying out to God in a petition. And this kind of praying, this kind of just like pouring ourselves into prayer, this kind of petition prayer is probably one of the most familiar types of prayer that we all know very well. We come before God and we're like, I'm, that's it. All I got's a hallelujah. I'm empty. God, you got to fill me. You got to help me. There's other places in scripture that talk about the different kinds of prayer. There's, there's these Psalms in the, in the book of Psalms. There's these chapters that are known as imprecatory psalms. Can you say that? Imprecatory. Imprecatory. I mean, it's got to have like hard syllables, hard emphasis of the syllables. Imprecatory, you know. These psalms, like Psalm 139, is a lament from the people of Israel who have been taken captive and they are in exile. And their children have been killed And this imprecatory psalm, this prayer, they're saying, God, take their kids and bash their heads on the riverbanks. Whew. That's like a really dark cry for violence because of the injustice that they've experienced. There's prayers, formational prayers in the Bible about faith and healing. You look at James chapter 5 and the the writer, James, is commanding, he's telling the church, hey, is, are any of, you, any of you sick? Call on the elders of the church to anoint you with oil and to lay the hands and to pray the prayer of faith and you will be made well. There's the prayers of faith. There's the prayers of thanksgiving. Back to the Psalm, Psalm 100. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all ye earth. Prayer is usually and directly tied to some kind of passion, to some kind of emotional Response And passion can be either suffering or joy or wonder. And we're formed by the things that awaken and stimulate our passion. 
people and truth that light us up. Let me ask you this. When was the last, don't answer out loud. Keep it inside. But ponder this for a second. When was the last time you lit up? When was the last time you felt the breath in your lungs that you know could only come from God? When was the last time you sat in prayer and you lit up? What was it about? I wonder even, not necessarily prayer, but I wonder if you can pinpoint the last time just in life where you had this anticipation and this excitement that lifted you up. Whether it was a vacation you were getting ready to take or a job that you finally got. When was the last time your passion was stirred to a point where you were lit up? And this is how I want us to talk about prayer. This is how I want us to ponder and to seek God's face. Because as this practice, as this language, as prayer, prayer fosters a formation with God that doesn't just like keep us in this state of anticipatory excitement, but it puts us in this place where he is with us and his communion with us is fostering in us the whole sense of being human. Why do we talk about the psalms, the imprecatory psalms, and the thanksgiving psalms? Because we hold suffering and celebration in the same life. And God is a God that is with us in our suffering and in our celebration. Being human, communion with God, is part of the original design of creation. It says in the book of Genesis this way, Then God said, Let us make humankind in our image, according to... To our likeness. And let them have dominion. Say dominion. Dominion over the fish of the sea. And over the birds of the air. And over the cattle. And all the wild animals. And over every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth. You know what? God created you. And the first like adjective or the first descriptor of you is this word dominion. Some of us don't feel very dominionized. So God created humankind in his image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. When I read that, I read from the beginning that God poured out creation into a form. He made, he created our lives into this huge purpose. Dominion, image of God. And, and over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, the cattle, all the wild animals, over every creepy thing. Like there's diversity in this creation. But left unchecked, I don't feel like I'm fulfilling that creation purpose very much. And neither did Adam and Eve, that original dynamic duo. In fact, their sin set the agenda for most of our frustrations and problems today. And suddenly, because of sin, our formation into the image of God landed in jeopardy. I want to draw you back to that original concrete pourer, that original creator, that original image 
former. And I want you to reflect and ask the questions about your own formation. Does my life, do I reflect God's dominion, the leadership of God, the rule and reign of God? Ask these questions about your life. Does my life reflect God's image more, or is there another form that I'm being poured into that is starting to take over? Does does my life reflect the diversity of God? How often am I around people and situations that look different from me? Because Adam and Eve were put in a place where everything that was around them was different from them. Even Adam and Eve, Eve was brought out from the rib of Adam. There was a sameness to them, but there is also a diversity to them. There is, there is such diversity there in the creation story, I think that we could call God very creative. But are we being poured into forms that are just sameness, homogenous units? Or are we open to what God brings into our life? Am I separate and distinct from the rest of creation, or do I just look the same as everybody else in the world? And here's the deal. We all come from different backgrounds and different opinions, different traditions, different legends. And sometimes, if we're honest, we can get really frustrated with God. We can get really frustrated with life. We can get frustrated with the idea and the practice of prayer. We can get frustrated because even though we are all different people, we all have some of the same things about us. We all have hopes and dreams and wants and desires. And maybe you've prayed to God before. Maybe you've called out to Jesus before that Jesus would do something and it didn't happen. Regardless of what scripture says around prayer, regardless of what James says about calling the elders of the church to lay their hands and anoint with oil and the sick will be made well. And you're like, yeah, yeah, well, I'm still sick. She's still sick. He's still sick. They still died. You have an idea that something should have happened and it didn't happen the way that you thought that it should. And when we are placed in the realness of life, very quickly, our ideas of God and each other, and especially prayer, can turn into some very formulaic kinds of things. Instead of a prayer that forms us, we start using prayer as some kind of magic trick, just praying that God, the almighty genie, will have compassion and do something. That regardless of what's going on in our lives, that magic will happen in it, and we'll call it a miracle. <laughs> that everything will just shift, and, and I'm not downing miracles, gang. I've seen them. But they're called miracles because they don't happen as much as normal. They're called miracles because they're exceptions. And so we put everything that we've got into miracles. Or we start praying after we've done that kind of praying. We got nothing left, so we just turn to like the last five seconds of the game and every prayer becomes a Hail Mary. Not like a Hail Mary, but like... The ball play, a Hail Mary. We just throw the football. We just throw up all the prayers that we've got, hoping that God will hear something. And then we start thinking of prayer as nothing but desperate attempts to get his attention. 
Maybe somebody will catch the ball. Maybe God will miraculously do And like our prayers for miracles just become these prayers of desperation that we just keep throwing. And it's usually in that time some type of grief sets in and we start bargaining with God. Have you ever made a bargain with God? I have. Say, God, if you do this, then I will do this. You ever negotiated with God? And then there's some of us that we've prayed all these different types of prayers. We've not seen it. We've been depressed and we've been, we, we just feel like we're, we're, we're let down. We say these prayers. We feel like we've got to be punished and something bad's got to happen to us in order for something good to happen to us. We need penance in this life in order for God to show up. I'll never forget when I was at Wingate University back in 1999, I had a biology class, and I am terrible in biology class. I was no good. I had a professor, his name was Dr. Fiker, F-E-I-K-E-R. He was probably a very good biology. Did you have Dr. Fiker? He was a, probably a very good, any Wingate University grads in here in the room? There's like two of us, I think, three. When I, when I lived in Maryland, I would ask that. Nobody had ever gone to Wingate, but y'all know what Wingate is. Anyway, Dr. Fiker was this uh, biology professor, and, and I, I was an arts major, okay? I, 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 I like science and math. I can get by, but like, by, I mean, just, you know, oh my gosh. I'd rather find like an underwear tag and chocolate pudding than go to a biology class. And it's just, <laughs> shouldn't have said that. Um... <laughs> And I'll never forget, some of, some of y'all just got that, you're like, oh my gosh, why? You know? Yeah, well, it keeps you awake. It's part of the reason. And I'll never forget, like, I, I sat through the class with the syllabus, I got in my, my lab group, because we had to go to lab, apparently, and, like, I remember, like, just going, I don't want to be here. If you've ever been to college, there was a class where every time the class happened, you just didn't want to be there. You wanted to be anywhere else, and that was the class for me. And I remember going back to my dorm, and like we had a test coming up, and I had the biology book there, and I just prayed, and I said, God, you know my heart. You know everything about me. I lay it out all before you, Jesus. I stood up like I fasted a snack or something. I stood up. I was stomping around the room, praying in tongues. God, you see this awful, evil biology class that I have to endure Come and save your servant. It probably wasn't that, but it, was, it felt like that. And I said, God, if you'll just help me pass this first test, I'll live for you all my days. I'll go to church on Sundays. I'll go to small group a few times a year. I'll, you know, I was just praying. I'll pray before every meal. I'll just, I was getting holy in that dorm room, you know? And I went to that, t- and you know what I did? I said, God, I'm, I believe in you so much. I have so much faith in your providence, God. I'm not even going to open that book, Lord Jesus. And I didn't. And I went to biology class the next day to take that test. Guess what I made? A B. I made a B. <laughs> God came through for this dude right here. I, don't, I, was in, I was in the spirit taken to the seventh heaven, uh, not the show, but I was there filling in the blanks. I was like B, C, A, like even stuff that wasn't multiple choice. I was like B, you know, I was just going through it and I made a B y'all and I walked out with so much faith. I was like, oh, Dr. Fiker, 
Can you believe it? And the next test came up. And I did the same thing. I prayed. I fasted a snack. I did all the things. I went. And I made a 31 on that test. It was amazing. You know what? I don't think that formulas, if-then kind of prayers, represents the full-on pouring and forming of God's image that we talked about earlier. I don't, I don't think that that kind of prayer and being with God, I, I don't think it really looks like this transaction that if I do this, then you will be good. God is either good or he's not. God is either saving us or, or we are really in, in trouble. God, even with all of the other stuff that's happening where we hold suffering and celebration, God is either for us God has got to be about something more than a formula or a technique. And I say all of that stuff about the concrete and the, the biology class and the Hail Marys to say this, prayer by its very definition, this is how God forms us. Prayer is God's way of forming us. How does prayer form us? First of all, prayer forms us in relationship. It forms and it builds us form to our life of relationship. Go back to that first scripture in Genesis where he said, let us create humankind in whose image? Our image. It starts out not with this singular, but with this plural. When you love someone, you naturally want to spend time with them and talk to them. Think back to when you were madly in love with somebody. It doesn't have to be romantic, but several of you have been married, married before. You know what it's like. Think, think back to when you were madly in love. Some of you have to, some of you have to think way back. When Shauna, my wife, and I were dating, we lived nine hours apart. I was in Florida. She was living in Harrisburg. And back in the day... We didn't have video chatting. <gasps> I know. We didn't have it. We had, we had to old school phone it in. We had to get on our cell phones and use our cell phones as actual phones. It makes no sense. We called each other on the phone. And you know what? Back in the day, we were, we were on Sprint. Anybody remember Sprint? We were on Sprint, and after 9 p.m., you had unlimited talk available, and free weekends. So Shauna and I would call each other at 9.01 at night. We would call each other on the weekends. And you know what we talk, I hate talking on the phone, but I love talking on the phone with Shauna. You know what we would talk about? Everything and nothing. Stuff I would never talk about with my friends. Complete vulnerability. Complete vulnerability, and 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 it was so it was so crazy. Like we were we and we're 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 in love today, but we were like in this goo goo ga ga affectionate like infatuation. Can't believe this is real love. Now we're in the we got nobody else but us, and we know that, and we're in this thing till death kind of love, and that's a way deeper kind of love. I'm not I'm not bashing now or the beginning. I'm just saying, that kind of love, that, uh, that, that infatuation stuff, we would do stupid stuff, you know? We'd be like, okay, baby, I got to get up at 6 in the morning, and I know it's 4.30. I'm going to get about 90 hours, 90 minutes of sleep. I've got to go. Okay, I got to go. I love you. I love you, too. All right, I'm going to hang up now. Okay, go ahead and hang up. 
right, I'm going to hang up first. Okay, bye, I love you, I love you too. All right, I'm hanging up now. Are you still there? Yeah, I'm still here. I didn't hang up the phone. You go first. No, you go first. That's, that's what passion looks like. It, it's, it's kind of embarrassing and it's a little odd and it's a little weird, but you're like, oh, I can't get enough of, I can't get enough of that voice. I can't get enough of that love. And Jesus talks about like true like love and affection and passion in Matthew chapter 7. He says, if your child asks you for bread, would you trick your child with sawdust? If he asks for a fish, would you scare him with a live snake on his plate? As bad as you are, <laughs> you wouldn't think of such a thing. You're at least decent to your own children. So don't you think the God who conceived you in love will be even better than you are with your own kids? Think about that. Some of us, we have this idea of God as if he's just lording over us with this kind of voice right here the whole time. And he's just like watching down and he's seeing every little thing and he's got a magnifying glass and he's going to burn us or whatever. God has a passionate love for you that is even greater than the love you have for your kids or the love that you have and that infatuation or the romantic relationship or that, that, that person that you're crazy about. God's been crazy about you since before you were born. And he wants, he wants you to include him in your life, into every aspect, into every single part of it. Prayer grows that intimacy and that relationship. Just like presence deepens and grows your own relationships. How do we get formed in prayer? It's through relationships. It's also through rhythms. It's, it's why I talked about that prayer guide that we have available. It's updated every quarter. And for those of you that are seasoned veterans in prayer, it will give you some creative and new expressions. And for those of you who look at prayer and you're like, I don't want to tell anybody I don't know how to pray, but I need help. And can I tell you something? That's all of us. When I say seasoned veterans in prayer, seasoned veterans in prayer sit down to pray the same way that you do and I do. Most of the time it looks like this. <sighs> okay, what am I supposed to do now? Okay, God, what does it feel like now? I can't let you know another secret. I write these prayer guides and I share them with you, not for your benefit, but for me. I write them for me because when I don't take time to pray, my sarcasm and cynicism will, will get into cruelty and rudeness without me even trying. Short, condescending. When I miss times in forming prayer, the rhythms in my life, the way that I breathe, the way that I carry myself, my relationship with God, it, it's off. It's like trying to drive on three good tires and one that is just like, like 90% flat the whole, day, the whole time. Like the entire car can be in good shape except that one tire. That's what it's like for me when I don't pray. And in the book of Acts, the apostles and the church, when you, when you read that, we should do a series on the book of Acts. When you read that, it's, they were always going to the place of prayer. What kind of prayer? They were going to the temple. They were going to the Psalms. They were reading the prophets. They had the feast days. They never ceased being Jewish in those early days. They kept their prayer rhythms. In the Gospels, Jesus was always going off alone to pray. This prayer was sometimes asking God for something. But even Jesus was being formed through prayer. 
How do we know this? One of, one of the, at the same time, most encouraging words of Scripture for me and also one of the most humbling words of Scripture comes from the book of Hebrews, chapter 5. And it says this, while he, talking about Jesus, lived on earth, anticipating death, Jesus cried out in pain and wept in sorrow as he offered up priestly prayers to God. Because he honored God, God answered him. And then this this next sentence kills me. Though he was God's son, he learned trusting obedience by what he suffered. You're telling me that Jesus had to learn trusting obedience? I thought he was God. He is. He's also human. His discipline and his prayer and the suffering that he endured, he was being poured into something. You're being poured into something. And if the Son of God learns trusting obedience through suffering, Guess what your suffering can produce in you? Trusting obedience. And this description of Jesus brings us to this last point, and we'll wrap up here. Prayer forms honesty in us. Vulnerability. Talked about college. Let's talk about Shakespeare. You remember Shakespeare? Remember Othello or Hamlet or King Lear? Macbeth. Shakespeare was famous for these monologues. They were known as soliloquies, where an actor would come center stage and literally just kind of like get everything out in a speech. And the actor that did this had to be so compelling and so filled with passion, they could not fake the soliloquy. They could not fake the performance. It had to be. That's why Shakespeare is considered one of the greatest writers, one of the greatest playwrights, one of the great, because he took emotion and he took raw humanity and you had to live it and you had to experience it or you could never perform it. It's like a country singer that never had his woman leave him and his dog leave him and his, you know, oh, you know. Like, how can you sing Johnny Cash without going through some kind of hell on earth? You can't do it, like, with any sense of integrity. One person pontificating to the crowd. Prayer is this opportunity not to go on a stage and pontificate to the Lord with flowery language, trying to make God believe that you're being real. Prayer is this opportunity to come to God and be yourself, not an actor. It's more of a conversation than a soliloquy or a monologue. A lot, of us struggle on, a lot of us struggle with prayer when we put on a persona or we put on this, this, this alternate self when we pray. Some of us, when we pray, we think we've got to come to prayer with a lot of these and thous or like a radio voice. And I want to encourage you with something. Here's a great rule for how to pray. Pray how you talk. Nobody, nobody but God is there with you when you pray. Pray how you talk. Don't conjure up some other, some, other, some other person or some other voice. That's weird. Pray the way 
you talk. Jesus said this. He said that our prayers are to be authentic and sincere. He said this in Matthew 6. He said, when you practice some appetite-denying discipline to better concentrate on God, talking about prayer and fasting, don't make a production out of it. It might, you turn, you, it might turn you into a small-time celebrity, but it won't make you a saint. If you go into training inwardly, act normal outwardly. Shampoo and comb your hair, brush your teeth, wash your face. God doesn't require attention-getting devices. He won't overlook what you're doing. He'll reward you well. Now, now we read that and we're like, oh, okay, yeah, you know, shower. You know, okay. Jesus was talking to people who, when they were lamenting and praying, they would walk around and they would create more of a black crowd around them so that everybody saw what they were going through. If, if you think the drama on social media is a little too much for you, the days of Jesus where there was no social media and, and the performance was on, I mean, it would impress you of the drama. There, there were people paid to grieve at funerals back in the day. They would show up and they would wail and they would cry. And the persona and the priests of the temple, when they were fasting meals, they, they would literally not look as put together as they would normally. They were looking for approval from people. They were trying to come across spiritual and show exactly how much they know. And Jesus is saying they're going to get their reward. These verses aren't saying that you shouldn't ever pray out loud in public. These verses are saying that when you pray, be authentic with God. Be vulnerable even. And it'll cost you something. It'll cost you discipline. And all this stuff in prayer comes to a close with this one passage out of James chapter 4, verse 8. And our, our worship team is going to come and, and help us close with this. Here's what James says. Come close to God, and God will come close to you. Come close to God, and God will come close to you. You lean into him, he's ready to lean back into you. What are you being formed into? What is the driving passion?